Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're in the world. Welcome to Big Lads Talking Straight. That is talking, not stalking. I'm Shox, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host Simo. How you doing, Simo? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you, mate? Yeah, mate, I'm great. Rocking and rolling over here in the UK. What about New Zealand? How's, how's things? Oh, mate, it there? is hot. Uh, it is hot. The air conditioning bill is high. Uh, there oh, is uh, a lot going on. There is uh, quite a bit of sweating to be had. A lot of sweating, a lot of sweating. The January challenge is uh, is going well. Um, I'm uh, currently running last in the standings. Well, listen, we have a uh, a really special episode today. This is the first time we've had a we've had a guest on. Um, we will chat in a bit to to Carl Fernley, who is the well, he was the the head coach of the Bristol Sonics when you were there. Um, fantastic community volunteer. He's going to share his insights. Um, but first of all, give me give me a quick overview of what's been happening in New Zealand. Oh, mate, uh, it's been back to work time, mate. 18th of January, back to work. So I've had a couple of weeks back at work. I tell you what, I'm not so sure why I subscribe to this work stuff. Jesus. It's oh, the same for anyone, isn't it? Mate, oh, it is. It's good. It's good. Means to an end. Means to an end. That's the way. That's the way. I, I, I do love my job, though. I do love my job. No, that's good. Listen, I have a question for you. I have a question for you. So we've had it in the news over here. I've seen that New Zealand has had its first case of community transmission in months. Yeah, yeah, it does. It has. It has. Now, the interesting thing is, there's actually not been a change in any lockdown levels or anything. The really interesting thing is, New Zealand is all the same. It's all normal. You still have to use masks on public transport. But it's the to be this is the power of technology, which is keeping New Zealanders out of having to sit in the living rooms with their wives all day. Very good point there. Um, it's more the kids that are, I think, the issue for a lot of people. Is it? There. Oh, but is wives, it the kids? Are, oh no, not a kids it's, yet. So. The wines are well. Mine's, mine's certainly been been fine. Um, but the kids, kids are kids are a struggle. But anyway, um, talk to me about this tech. Why is it so good out there? So, this lady apparently she's in the mid 50s came back and she went through isolation and they're currently not quite sure whether she got it she's just had a really long case and she was released too early or she got covid in the isolation hotel and then around other people so you know in hallways touching lift buttons things like that they're not quite worked it out but since she came out of the isolation on the 14th of january She's had pretty much she's used the COVID tracer app, which is a pretty much a QR code tracer, and uh, she has been fastidious in how much she's been, how much she's actually been scanning into places. I think in three days, she went to thirty different establishments. And the key thing is, the New Zealand government released a press statement saying anybody who's been to these places at these specific times, you need to go and get a test. Wait for these time, so many days, go and get a test. Establishment just sounds filthy dirty to me. Is that is that the sort of establishment she's been frequenting? Well, well, the step. Well, let me put it this way: after months away and two weeks in isolation, her first stop was to Bendon, which was a, uh, a ladies. <laughs> Wait, sorry, tra- what? To where? Bendon, which is a lit. <laughs> Bendon, which is a ladies um, uh, underwear store. So that's the first Fantastic. place you go. Straight after coming in, then she's been to. She literally has said, I, "I know, I'll go to this town, and I will go to every single establishment in this town." Retail therapy, I guess. <laughs> Retail therapy, definitely. It's like, but the um, it's it's crazy. So it's like this 
this place 9.02 a.m., this place 9.04 a.m., this place 9.28 a.m., this place 10.24 a.m. You know, so it's, I don't, and tell you what, this woman doesn't half go to some cafes. My God, who's, I know New Zealanders like coffee, but. When in Rome. Ugh. When in Rome. Well, well, um, and she's, uh, she lives in the north, an area called Northland, which is north of Auckland. And uh, she's uh, literally she's like, oh, I think I'll go to this town. But uh, apparently she'd been prestigious in, uh, in, in all word. the checks. And she's, yeah. And doing all of her QR code scanning and uh, use it wearing a mask. And um, her husband's tested negative. All of her close contacts, the people she's seen have tested negative. And then there's been a couple, parent and child, come in the following day. Um, and they're the same. They were in the same hotel. They've caught it. They think probably just towards the end of them being in the hotel, even though they tested negative, and and they're the same. They've got like, <laughs> I think one of them works at a works at a restaurant. You could consider this my if I ever came through quarantine. First stop, five p.m. Barbecue King. Next day, five p.m. Barbecue King. <laughs> Next morning, Barbecue <laughs> King, eleven a.m. Next evening, five till nine p.m. Barbecue King. <laughs> the Barbecue King is actually a Chinese restaurant. I'm a little bit disappointed about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but it, it's pretty. You know, uh, technology is keeping New Zealanders away from their living rooms and their children. So that's the plan, mate. That's the plan. Doing well. How Decent. about the UK? How is um? How is the apocalypse currently playing out? <sighs> the apocalypse. Well, let's see. So lockdown is still still in process. Uh, in terrible news, they extended lockdown pretty much pretty much the kids are not going back to school until at least Easter which is heartbreaking for every parent out there who has kids at school <laughs> the vaccine we were in a battle with the EU about the vaccine now so I don't know the, the ins and outs of it like I said last time I've kind of stopped reading the news but I see see bits and pieces of how the EU are being bellends and not letting vaccines in and stuff like that and just trying to mess with us really in fact the, the biggest news over here is that it's my birthday, right? Coming up. Mm. So my wife got me a, a lovely bottle of Terramana tequila. So if you if you haven't heard of Terramana tequila, um, it's supposed to be fantastic. It's made by well, it's it's the company was founded by The Rock. So Dwayne oh, yeah. The Rock Johnson, yeah, you know The Rock. Yeah, um, well. he happens he happens to be the most likable person in the world. Behind, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm a close second, but yeah. You certainly are. I mean, The Rock has 212 million followers on Instagram, just to put it in perspective. Wow. So that's pretty, pretty impressive. Anyway, so I got the I got this uh, lovely bottle of tequila from my, my lovely wife and uh, put it on the drink shelf, took a picture, put it on Instagram, saying, you know, looking forward to the pop that The Rock's always chatting about. And mm. he responded. He responded. Wow. It's me well, having a chat right. with The Rock. With chat with he the said, rock. Well, enjoy the pop, my friend. You're, you're his friend. Yeah, well, that's Friends. that's how I'm taking it. Tequila so I'm going to ask him if he wants to come on and have a chat about uh, wrestling, a bit of sport, you know, see if we can get him on. Get him yeah, on good I... lads talking straight. He is a big lad, to be fair. He, he does qualify. He does, yeah, qualify. he does qualify. Over six foot, over 100 kilos. He's good. You're in. <laughs> no no, no I, mini I, I rigs do, here. I do enjoy these membership criteria that you've just installed. <laughs> and, uh, uh, the the problem is that our guest today actually uh, doesn't fit into any of those criteria. That's the issue. Probably was over a few over a hundred kgs at a few points, but uh, he he is from Middle Earth, and that's yeah. heavy for a hobbit. That is heavy for a hobbit. Heavy for so. a hobbit. Yeah. 
Oh, good. But yeah, apart from that, mate, um, yeah, no, I think that's pretty much it, really. Scottish independence is beginning to, to rear its head again, which is always interesting and fun when it crops up. Very divisive. Um, so yeah, but apart from that, it's, that's kind of kind of it for the UK, to be honest. So, well, ladies and gents, what we're going to do today is we've got Carl Fernley here with us. And now I'm going to pass over to Simo because Simo is a, a long-standing friend of, of Carl's. Um, so he'll tell us a bit more, a bit more detail about what Carl did at the the Sonics and with rugby league and his his volunteering. But more importantly, Carl's a Wiganer, so actually Simo should be able to translate for us. Well, I'll do my best. It's been a while since I've been in Wigan, but uh, I've got some good translation skills. My years in New Zealand, yeah, Carl. Carl's a top block. He's a top lad. I met Carl in two thousand and ten when I first joined the Bristol Sonics, and Carl was. One of the the best things that happened at Bristol Sonics. But Carl is uh, one of those key people that you talk about in a, in any any club. The pivotal people who really do engage a lot of others. And uh, it's a real honour to have him with us today. He's uh, our first ever guest. The water boy, he's been the coach, he's been a player, he's been a manager, he's been a business administrator. So uh, without further ado... Cal, are you there with us? I am. Good morning, all. Or good afternoon, wherever you are. Kind of funny. I'm up in off in New Zealand. I've been enjoying the nice summer evening sunset. Uh, yeah, it's not even it's not even light where you are. Yet, that at six a.m. Selfish as always. <laughs> where Where have you been just before we started the podcast today? He's been at the pub. He's I've been, been at, the, at pub. the pub. You believe that, Carl? The bugger has been at the pub. Nothing changes, no, does it? Nothing, nothing changes. No matter where he is in the world, nothing changes. Always well, when was the last time you were at the pub, Carl? I can't even remember what a pub is. What is a pub? What's a pub, Mike? <laughs> the pubs don't exist now in the UK. No, they don't. Gone. They're gone. All gone. Gone. All gone. Were you last at the pub when I, I was over last November? That wasn't last November. That was November before. Last year, mate, pubs, pubs vanished off the face of the UK. That's a good point. Well made, Carl. Vanished. vanished. So then, Carl, as uh, I'm the chief translator today, uh, we're going to get straight into it, having a conversation. Um, pretty simple. Uh, how, how did you get into rugby league? You pretty much don't have a choice. Usually, when you when you're eight in Wigan, <laughs> you either uh, end up pushing old trolleys up and down uh, the uh, the side of the, the court and chucking them in the court. Filling on full of bricks, or you go and play rugby. So I ended up at St Bill's when I was eight. I started playing on the wing uh, with a lot of schoolmates. That was it, really. Yeah. St Bill's, so what club is that for people who don't know? Uh, it doesn't exist anymore. St Williams. St Williams. Uh, so they merged with Inch uh, Rosebridge. Oh, it's been 20 years ago now. So yeah. Yeah, it used to be a small um, junior club. Just based uh, just at the back of my old school. Is it a, is it a rule that all clubs in Wigan have to begin with Saint? Because we've got Saint Saint Bills, no, no. Saint Jude, Saint Pat's. No, Rose, Rosebridge doesn't. Nah, it, fair Rosebridge doesn't. It's just kind of ironic that you know you lot hate Saint Helens, but yeah, all your all your clubs are called Saints. You, you, you're swearing, Mike. It's, it's terrible. This time in the morning, you're swearing already. Blaspheming. Sorry, sorry. The child's back I'll just outside. Be quiet. It's fine. It's terrible. Simple. Have a word. That's fine. So we'll, we'll keep him quiet for a moment. 
obviously ended up in Bristol where you met me initially. Um, how did you first get involved in Bristol Sonics? Because you were involved in the rugby league uh, before me, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, several years. Yeah, so I came down. Um, so I'd played uh, up in Wigan for until I was about twenty-eight. So different, various different levels, mainly, mainly second team to be honest, because our first team were in a really good. They were in um, national prem, I think, at the time. Uh, so yeah, I came down, uh, jumped into a rugby union club, and a couple of lads at the rugby union club were involved in Sonics, and Sonics had just won one season then. Um, so at the end of the union season, they they said, "Oh, we're going to start training league now." So I said, "Great, turn up." So I turned up to train session, and there were ten lads in a field and four cones. That was it. One rugby ball, four cones, and I come about well, ten, twelve weeks before that, I was, you know, training with a national prem team up in uh, Wigan, um, trying to break into their first team again. Um, but yeah, it was a completely different. It was like, a, yeah, it was like coming from playing Super League to playing Pub League in twelve weeks. Is there much? Uh, was there much opposition to that from the rugby union clubs, like playing? a full season of rugby union and then into summer rugby with rugby league no not at all I think the guys are just doing it for a bit of fun we we got it we get a lot up here where you know if you the clubs will start to kind of kick up a stink saying oh you know the players need rests you know they can't play two seasons of rugby yeah the the lads they had playing for them um, they weren't playing at the top level at the time it was only later on when we started getting lads from like Dings and Clifton and places like that that we started getting a bit of pushback but the guys who were playing for us at the time, it was kind of a you know Gloucester two sort of level, so it's quite a like I say, almost like a pub league standard for North playing rugby league. Um, but they're you know good lads, really good fun, playing for the crack really, just going along, having a smash on a Saturday afternoon, having a few pints after. Yeah, good old good days. Fun. Yeah, yeah, the good old days. Yeah, <laughs> no, uh, no BS was there then. Um, it was just turn up, stick your boots on, go out have a bash, see what you come up against. I mean, the first season I played, um, it was the first season I came down here. We were up at, there was a couple of good teams in our league. So the Sonics lads, like I say, came from a mixture like Gloucester 2, Gloucester 1 guys. Whereas you went down to Taunton, it was the Marines from the Commandos down in uh, down in Somerset. The majority of their team was the old guys. And then up in Gloucester, when we played the Gloucester team, they were three or four leagues from a union perspective above the guys who were playing. So, you know, you'd regularly get a pound in, but it was good for It was good for them, just, yeah. So I, I do remember Sonics, it was a bit, it was pretty basic. I remember turning up to my first session on, up on the downs. What were your thoughts when you saw the power substitute in action, when you saw me on the downs? <laughs> I thought, this guy won't be able to buy a pint because we all put his hand in his pocket. <laughs> say, oh, no, little, hand, uh, <laughs> <laughs> little hands. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, who's going to catch a ball? I thought, who's going to catch a ball with hands like that? Um, no, I thought, well, at least, at least this lad's from Wigan, so he'll understand the game. I might be able to talk to him. I'd spent two years um, trying to coach students um, from Bristol Uni uh, and, and drag them off the, the streets on a, on a Sunday morning when we used to train at like, Sunday 11 o'clock. And they'd just rolled in drunk from the night before. Um, literally, some of them would just walk out, walk to training from wherever they'd been, pick the kit up and, and turn up. And then, uh, yeah, Simo turned up. And so at least, like I said, at least I had a fellow Wigan. Well, we had two there, actually. 
So uh, Martin Clyde, one of the guys who now lives not too far from me, um, he's, he's a Wigan fan as well, so he was down there. So uh, no, That's it was just spreading. Um, Wiganers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, spending northern shoppers, yeah, <laughs> definitely. We all, we all have passports there, anyway, mate. All the passports. So you will do soon, I think. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> so moving on from my little hands and amazing hand hand, hand tactics, we'll, uh, we'll we'll talk a bit more about the Sonics. Um, I, I was there for Sonics 2010 till when I left in 2014. So I was only there yeah. four years, but you were there a bit longer. You reckon you, about maybe eight years all up? Uh, a bit more than that. So I started in two. Well, I, I moved down here in 2003, four. Oh. Um, yeah, first season was 2004. They had a season before that, and then I, <clears throat> I think I left the season. Even season you left or the season before, it was towards the end, wasn't it? You, yeah. had, I think you had one season, and I, yeah, I just finished. Um, but yeah, I mean, we went all the way from being, like I said, this pub side, all the way to, well, being in the national leagues. Really, it was good fun. You know, we we went, um, we spent the season. Or two now. Is it two seasons that we're sending, going basically driving around the country, going to London, going up to Sheffield, Warrington. That was the old um, NCL one, wasn't it? NCL one, yeah, yeah. So you know, we, we, had, we had we had quite a progression really from, like I said, like ten blokes and four combs around a, 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 on a piece of grass at St Brendan's to playing National League One. Uh, you know, it was yeah, yeah. Some good bus trips there, Carl. Some good bus Some trips. Very good bus trips there. Yeah. Very good bus so trips. One there, of the yeah. one of the main positives, uh, ladies and gentlemen, one of the main positives of starting a uh, rugby league side outside of the Heartlands is that eventually you have to travel to the Heartlands, and that means a six-hour bus trip. Six-hour naked bus. Love a naked bus. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's been love on some of our buses as well. If you like to say, we've had people married on the back of it. We were now married. We met on the back of our oh, buses. Brilliant. Love that. <laughs> Love it. It's a very, it's a yeah. wonderful story of, uh, of of hope, misunderstanding, <laughs> and love. Bland love uh, and and lust. I think it was, wasn't it? It was. It was like putting a lion in a cage. It knew it knew it needed to go in there, but it didn't really want to go. But it knew it needed to go. You know, when you when you trap a lion out in the wild and you go, come on, son. You can have to elaborate on this. What's, what's this about? Oh, we had so little stories. We had a really, really good physio whose name I won't mention, but she was really, really good, and I'm still friends now. And um, uh, she would just say we had a player who is a really good guy to throw, and uh, they met on the back of the bus, so on the way home, and one wanted to talk to the other, and the other wanted to talk to the other, but um, the player was a little bit nervous because I had a bit of a rep as being obviously a bit of a probably I'll, I'll go into it later but uh, I had a bit of a rep as being a bit of a tough coach um, and my exact words were to him go and talk to him mate go and do whatever you need to you're a grown man but just don't mess it up for the team because I can't lose that physio <laughs> <laughs> your thing was your uh, calves your calves you used to get your calves done all the time yeah all the time you used to have it. I was doing on your cat. Mine was my shoulder. I always got a gammy shoulder. And everybody used to say, well, cat, you know, why do you need it? I sort of spent 20 minutes all bashing the tackling bags with you lot. And then, uh, yeah, you used to always have your calves done. What's all that about? Well, Carl, yeah. if you look at Simo, how do you think you'd feel if you were Simo's calves? 
that? Overworked and underpaid. That's an understatement <laughs> of the year. Understatement of the year. I mean, you just think yeah. of the explosivity that went through those cars. I mean, oh, come on. Like a coil spring. Like a coil spring is normal. I think I think like a coil spring has been commented on a few times in previous podcasts, so thanks for that, Carl. Yeah, it's all right. So, you know, with with the Sonics, we, you were a coach and, and various others. But how much volunteering did you do for the club? So what, what got you from being a player into being a bit of a volunteer? Well, I got injured, um, so that was a biggie. So I couldn't play anymore. Um, so I tore the te- one of the tendons in my shoulder, so I couldn't, couldn't play. Um, it was either that or um, have an op. So I didn't bother about that. So I went into coaching. Um, it turned out I was a better coach than I was a player. Um, well, that's what people say anyway. <laughs> uh, I seem to be a bit more successful uh, as a coach than a player anyway. Um, I like that one. It, so you know, just, more successful as a coach than a player, but not a better coach than a player. I like that. That's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more successful. But no, um, it was it, it was just a natural transition. There was nobody else to coach um, because I played at a high level. I had a good understanding of the game. Um, took my coaching award and then started to get involved with um, the universities. So the university needed a coach, which Bristol Uni. Um, and progressed really into Bristol Uni, uh, southwest of England, south of England, um, that sort of level. Um, and then just sort of was there for, yeah, best part of seven, eight years. Um, but I mean, it was really, I really enjoyed it. Uh, you, you get a lot from coaching, a, you know, a group of young guys, um, just sort of taking them through kind of, well, everything really from. Get, making better rugby players to make better men, to be honest. You know, some of it is all about you know they they come into you with different problems and stuff like that. Um, they got you know issues with wives, girlfriends, all that sort of stuff. All that comes out, so it's not it's not just about rugby. Um, but mainly, I mean, as I said earlier, the camaraderie you get from you know weekends away, um, kind of the long coach trips, the the wet Tuesday evenings when you're trying to coach. Um, and uh, you know, organising kit, uh, getting sponsors on board, all that sort of—it's it good fun. I mean, the fact we got from being, like I said, yeah, a, few, a couple of dozen lads running around the pitch on a on a Tuesday night with four cones and a ball to being, you know, arguably one of the world most well-respected you know, amateur clubs in the country. So no, I got a lot from it. Um, it's just when you start to hit that level. Of kind of that national level, it is almost a full time job, a second full time job, and also the way that the game is at the moment in terms of funding and everything else like that, where you do need to get some sort of volunteers underneath it, and most of those generally are kind of guys from university, schools, colleges, that type of stuff, wanting to you know understand the game, um, practice some of the stuff they learn at uni. Yeah, it becomes a bit more difficult these days. So I'm going to jump in there about volunteering. So you were the coach for, I remember you were a coach for at least six years. At least six, I think. Yeah. I think you finished on your seventh, didn't you? I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Um, yeah. uh, what kind of a coach do you think you were? <laughs> um, I think um, I think tough and tough and honest. I think he's uh, straight talking. I think he's... Uh, is the way I was, I've, I've described myself. Yeah, I think, like if you use those two, two or three words, 
<laughs> straight talking. Straight talking. Hey. I remember. I, I'm just going to explain what straight talking means. All right. So I remember playing a game for the Sonics and the lads didn't do a very good defensive job. And Carl's reaction to this was, okay then, lads, it's become pretty obvious that none of you can tackle. That was it. That was Tuesday, 6.01pm. None of you can tackle. Straight to the point. Yeah. Yeah. None of you yeah. can tackle. So we've got a bit of got a bit of an idea. And he brings out these four cones. And these four cones are probably about four feet away from each other. Yeah. And he put two people in the box. And two in one side of the box and one person on the other side of the box. And he went, right then. So all we're going to do this evening is tackle. And two of you are going to tackle one person. And you can come into the box as fast as you want. But I tell you what, if you're a defender and you let that person come outside, go past you, the other side of the box, let me just say, probably at the try line in the dead ball area, you Mm. are running to the other sticks. So it became pretty quick. It got, he didn't say it was contact, but it very quickly became contact. And I swear to God, there was a few, there was a few boys became men that evening. And it was <laughs> raining and it was dreary and the lights kept flickering and it was absolutely horrible. But I tell you what, it was a really, really good session by the end of it. And we didn't miss a tackle the next game. Boys would absolutely love that. <sighs> oh. Yeah, shockers. It, it, it's, it's a bit like that. I mean, I remember we were down in, um, we used to train at um, SGS, uh, so there's a college, a uh, sports college, and uh, we had, we seemed to attract, start to attract some good lads, and these young guys came down and they were based on Bristol's books, and they were at SGS college for a reason, because they were good athletes, and they turned up, and uh, I used to do this drill where we'd have everybody in the dead ball area and they were one on one sort of warm up. So you go in and you know you know the, the one you do where you kinda of slip in, you know, you, you kinda of slip yeah, in and yeah, try yeah. to wrestle and then you bring them down to the floor. And bear in mind these guys had come from like university, you know, sort of level um, coaching. They'd never seen this sort of stuff before, like a proper wrestle. Like, and I was like there was just stuff there at the start of the session going, What is going on here? And then everybody would kinda of break up and then we'd go into contact and eight it was the transition when you started to see a lot of the the Australian sort of influence going through the game. So I'd been started sort of look at and watch. You know, eighty percent of your game needs to be defence, and then your twenty percent is just a kind of a, a freestyle offence, especially when you get into their quarter. And um, and yeah, we had a, like I said, one or two of these young guys come in, uh, eighteen, nineteen year olds, and we had a few lads who were in the kind of mid twenties. Obviously, you started to get your man straight there. <laughs> And these lads took a bit of found in. But they really enjoyed it, like you say. They really loved it because it was just like, right, okay, it's just like getting out yeah. your system. You know, no holes back. And, you know, occasionally you'd have the, the old ones to slip a little punch because they'd get annoyed because somebody had got one over on them. But actually, I didn't mind that because you needed to get that, you need to kind of know where the level is with your mates, you know. Um, and because everybody was starting to feel it when we lost, they needed to understand what it meant. You know, to, to, to not lose and, and what we had to put in to not lose every week. And that was the, the kind of crux of it. I used, to, I used to hate those games where you went in and none of you could seem to tackle. You, you probably played those games yourself. Like yeah. you, people just kind of seem to be running through you. You know, like, what's going on? But yeah, I mean, 
I always found those to be the really good sessions is where you're, you're getting a paste in after you've after you've taken a paste in, if you know what I mean. So you're into in there, the coach is like, right, tackling. And, and it does, it kind of builds up that, that kind of mental resilience. It builds up that kind of camaraderie as well because you're in it together, especially if it's piss and rain as well. You're all in there in the mud. They were the best ones. Yeah, they, they were the, they best, were the best, ones. best ones, you know. And then, you know, you, you, you're on a bounce back the next time you play. So anyway, Carl, we were talking about uh, that little drill that you got us going, um, and uh, you'll remember that I was uh, when I was at the Sonics, especially the first couple of years, I was a uh, bit of a bit of a powerhouse there. Pa- Hang on a minute, bit of a powerhouse. Carl, would you describe yeah. him as a powerhouse? Is that how is that how you perceived him as a coach when he came in there? He got the ball. Obviously, he managed. He somehow managed to catch you with those tiny little T Rex arms. But I I could put another word in front of the word house. Mike, um, <laughs> which might describe him in a in a in a slightly better, um, more more um, more to the point where, but it wouldn't be the word power wouldn't come into it. Um, let's call it a let's call it a blunt instrument. I was uh, I I uh, attracted defensive players to to an area. Let's put it that way. And um, we were doing this drill, and let's just say this drill. I was smashing this drill. I was every time I took the ball up, I was scoring, and these lads, these, and every time I kept the ball up, I kept. I have a bit of a confession here, right? I kept kind of pulling myself back a few people to make sure I was always up against centres and wingers. And my mate, so I was at all these centres and wingers kept doing laps, and I think my mate Carl then realised what I was doing, <laughs> and decided instead of sending two lads up when I got the ball, he sent four lads up. To make a point that even if there is a big lad, it could still get knocked down and still knock the shit out of him. You just have to have enough fence to help you. You have to do this. And I'm not joking. I thought I'd broken my my spleen. I thought my thorax was broken. My spleen was gone. How much of a run-up did you need I, to take Simo to get up to full speed? Did you start the other sticks? Four feet. Four feet. <laughs> Yeah, which pass to get to get which pace up after that? I swear, just, I swear just we talked little. about this ex- <laughs> explosivity and acceleration. Is what it's those calves been. again? The, all the coil springs yeah. within those calves, Mike. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. We always remember the day that Motu Tony called me dynamic. We always remember that day. So he's a dynamic player. He's, you are like a Trojan horse. Yeah. There has been a few little moments, but we'll come on to my moments of brilliance. This is about me, this is about Cal. Um, how did you feel about being a Judas to your, to your good mate there in that in that drill? How, what were your feelings? I, you you weren't. Um, I didn't see you as a mate then, mate. You were on the other side. Of, you were on the other side of the whitewash, you know. You were oh, a player. There we go. There we go. An, in, an instrument, a tool, a tool. Yeah, an instrument, a blunt instrument, mate. You know. You, yeah. Really oh, dull, yeah. blunt instrument. Yeah, no creativity at all. No creativity. Well, it's so funny you, you say that, Carl. Actually, because Simo, Simo claims to be a halfback. I was just going to say, there's no chance I'd play him at halfback. Absolutely no chance I'd play him at halfback. What was I it you called him the other day? Me. What was it you called him? You said he's not a halfback. Oh, left back. That was <laughs> left, left back. back. <laughs> left back. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Carl. Um, what did he? What did coaching change about you? So you were coached for that long and volunteered for that long. Um, apart from, uh, apart from, be, apart from being hilarious, apparently, what did he change about you um, over the years? 
just while you think about that, Carl, a quick question. How? So you were saying, obviously, you, you were coaching at Sonics, you were coaching at the uni. Um, how many hours a week do you reckon you were you were volunteering? Pretty much all day Saturday. So eight, nine, ten hours on a Saturday. Then three or four hours on a Sunday, making sure everybody was all right, or actually coming home. So, you know, some sometimes you were going up there on a, um, on a Saturday morning and leaving at like seven, eight o'clock in the morning, staying over, sometimes coming back. So, yeah, generally eight hours on a Saturday, three or four hours on a Sunday, a couple of hours on a Monday, making sure you you were prepped for Tuesday's training. Um, same again on Wednesday, well, Tuesday training, so two hours on a Tuesday. Wednesday, an hour or so. Thursday would be two hours for your training session, getting to training and all that sort of stuff. Um, then about an hour or so on a Friday. So it's pretty much every single day. So you do the maths, it's 20 hours plus a week easily, easily. Yeah, but that's not including your, your kind of planning, your reflections, all that sort of stuff. So And all the other phone calls that you'd be making all the week. But yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah all right. I was, I was just curious uh, before you answered Simo's question. Simo, what was your question? Sorry, mate, I jumped in there. All the years that you did it, how did it change you as a person? Like, as a, I mean, obviously, as a coach, it made you a better coach. And, uh, but how did it change you as a person? What did you get out of it? What didn't you get out of it? Well, what did you do? Did you change? There's probably a few things. Like, so, um, it's made me better at work, maybe better, better coach and mentor at work. I mean, I get a lot from coaching and mentoring. Did a, done a lot of, I'm not bore you with it, but I've done a lot of kind of the science side of coaching and mentoring outside of kind of rugby as well and I use a lot of that in my day-to-day work um, but I mean you get an awful lot from seeing people kind of go from being average jaws to being good players and some of them you get a lot I mean I've had a couple of lads who've, um, who I've coached you know they've had super league trials they've got signed that type of stuff um, so you know that's great when you see somebody you've coached and mentored get through and they either get, get even just get to a trial. Um, you get you get a lot, of, a lot of personal sort of satisfaction, but you do it's, there's a good good feeling about it when you win. You know, as a team, you know, twenty odd of you coaching staff, all that sort of stuff. It's fantastic. You get an awful lot from that. Um, and like I said before, you know, you, you, it's not just about the rugby. Sometimes it's about kind of helping people out outside of that. You know, sometimes a rugby is a a way in which people can get away from stuff that's happening at home or at university or you know it's it's an escape in it and we've all played it's it's an escape um so no, i get i used to get an awful lot from it so personally um i think you the other thing is got an awful lot of mates from it got you know friends up and down the country some of them still playing some most of them coaching um most of them just enjoy going into a game so, you, you know, you do get a big sort of circle of friends and you've always got that one thing in common, which is rugby league, and it's it, it's fantastic, really. Cool. I, I like your bit about the mentoring, about got you to practice mentoring more so you got better at it at work, and we talked about that previous episodes. Mm. A bit better. And, 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 and it means that you can be a bit more senior in your own company, and, and it's worked for us all, but then... So, but when we talk about your senior, you were involved in quite a lot of senior discussions around rugby league in Bristol mm. back in the day, uh, especially uh, in the Orgulls. Uh, what are your reflections on this time of the Sonics and the Orgulls now that it's, you know, it's it's not what it once was. Um, the golden years have kind of gone, twenty twelve to 
2014, you know, those kind of, or even earlier, you could argue from 2010, even and earlier. Um, what are your reflections on this? I look back and think, um, could we have done anything differently? I don't think we could really, to be honest. Um, the the city itself wasn't wasn't ready for a, a you know a kind of change of you know in terms of a new new sport that sort of level. There was a lot of talk. There was a lot of uh, yeah, there was a lot of BS. I'm honest with you, uh, thrown around in terms of what was going to happen, who was going to do what, um, what people wanted to do, and um, it's the old analogy. Really, sometimes some people just have to put the money where the mouth is. But even now, I mean, good luck to the guys at the All Goals, you know, trying to set something up in Bristol. It's a cracking place down at SGS, and me and Simone know where we got to um, a few years ago in terms of moving the club there. Yeah, there's a lot of water on the bridge between, you know, seven, eight years ago to where we are now. So, I tell you, Carl, we, we've always found rugby league, though, overall, to be, uh, to be a respectful sport. Well, did you find it was respectful in your rugby career? Oh, very much so. I think I was the I think I was the pinnacle of that in terms of setting the tone at Sonics, especially for uh, respectfulness and inclusivity. It, I'll, I'll, inclusivity, definitely. I thought we we led the way with a lot of that, and uh, I I definitely remember a couple of things. Uh, um, we might talk a bit more about that later, but um, what in terms of respect and stuff, uh, do you find that um, you 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 practice those yourself? What did you do to practice respect? Well, I made sure, you know, obviously there was no uh, things like abuse to the referees and all of that I've ever happened on any of my touchlines and whatever, as, you, as you're aware. Um, and on the pitch, sim- similar, you know. I do remember you telling me this. So a bit of research our, our little gremlins have, have pulled up is uh, there may have been a, a small physicality with, a, with an old coach of Southport, I believe. Uh, are these allegations uh, true? Are we, are we, is this uh, which, what you consider respectful from your older years? You're going back several years there, so I think, you know... We are, aren't we? Yeah. We are. Yeah. Our gremlins are good. Uh, Our gremlins are good. Uh, Could you tell us any more about this? these heinous accusations? Are you referring to my days at Intros Bridge? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. It was a Southport. Believe it may or may not have been the coach. There might have been a... A small altercation between me and a coach, but that was when my playing days. I think you find he came on the pitch. Oh, did he? Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, he came on the pitch today. All oh, right. Yeah. So a bit of nig- You've always been a bit of a niggly player. No, no, never, never. No, never. Carl, no, no niggly. Talking about abuse and misconduct. What about tickling? Is that on the table? <laughs> well, I always find that that over the over the. Over your career, especially in your playing, you find out about your opposite number. When you come up against them every couple of seasons, you find the little chinks in their armour. And, and especially when you come across some of it who's, what, six foot two, six foot three, and at the time was best part of like 18, 19 stone, and um, an ex professional kickboxer, you know. Punching that sort of bloke in the face to wind him up doesn't kind of work. And it's not smart, is it? No, no. So I was a hooker at the time, and uh, I know the gentleman you're referring to. Actually, he's probably mentioned the show. He's probably the same gentleman who talked about the Southport incident. And your sources are quite good. Um, but yeah, when you all, what I used to do when I was um, a young guy, and these were back in the day, because obviously, yeah, 
It's uh, a long explanation, Carl. Long explanation. <laughs> yeah. but, okay, here's, here's the here's the one. Right, when we were younger, when all this sort of stuff was allowed, bearing in mind I'm from Wigan, our coach used to talk about bringing it up slow, which basically meant bringing your elbow up slow or bringing your you know your fist up slow to, to give your opposite number a bit of a whack and let them know where you are. Right, let's start the game. Well, I knew with this guy, the prop, I knew it wouldn't work. But what I did find out was he didn't like tickling, he hates it. So we packed down two or three times and I used to slip my arm out from hooker. So I'd have it free and usually it was for a little right hander when you needed to. Um, you know what it's, you know it's like at the front row, because it, it can be a bit, a bit dirty, can't it? Dark can houses, be, it's can like. be. Uh, but instead for this one, I used just to grab this guy and just tickle him under the chin. Just tickle him under the chin very, very lightly. As soft as soft as you touch your, your wife, maybe, you know, just a little like sort of couple of things. And he jumped up and he was wailing his arms like a banshee. Like an absolute battle proper windmill. And everybody walked away and my my back row, the, the guys in the second row, they uh they said, Oh what's up with him? What's up with him? I said, it's alright, so alright, I said. Next one will do the same. And what are you doing? Said, don't, don't worry, don't worry. So we packed down again. In I went again, just tickling him under the chin. And he got up, start swinging. Referee, penalty. Thought, right, got you, sunshine. Two or three more. Anyway, second, <laughs> exactly the same. We knocked on in the next set, tickling. Wailing around. Anyway, this time he clocked our prop, so it all kicked off. Right, so my little, t- it ended up being a full-on 26-man brawl because I tickled the prop. Um, <laughs> and which, which was hilarious because our normal tactic was for me to make a bit of a space, usually kind of annoy the hooker, and then our second roll would just come through and just destroy people. Um, but yeah, tickling this uh, particular gentleman uh, works a treat, um, as does spiders, but that's a longer story. Oh, we'll get to that. Well, yeah. maybe maybe for another time. But um, so me, me and Simo last week we were chatting about uh, head knocks and concussions. Um, so speaking of kind of head knocks and, and punching, that's another way. Obviously, obviously, get a head knock there. Have you you have been knocked out, Carl? And following that, what, what's your opinion on how head injuries are dealt with in rugby league? Uh, have I ever been knocked out? Yes. How many times have I been knocked out? Too many, probably to remember. Probably a good couple. Um, I've never been punched and knocked out. No, um, no way. No. Um, I've been punched and hurt, but never knocked out. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's been mainly tackles, to be honest with you. know, You get your head in the wrong place, or actually you just get somebody's elbow or whatever. But um, yeah, it's pretty pretty horrific. And um, I've had a couple of my players, um, one player in particular, uh, who was, who, uh, enough, ex-Scotland player, um, used to play for me. Um, he was an excellent player, but he got you a few good few head knocks, and uh, yeah, I think the game's changed a lot for the better. Um, you know, going into this area, I think uh, even at an amateur level now, there's a lot more thought goes into people, with people, players' well-being, and I mean, we would joke about we're kind of joking about the the kind of old school sort of punching and all that sort of stuff. I'm so glad that that's out of the game now. You know, mm-hmm. there's always mm-hmm. going to be a little bit of rough and tumble, but even at the, you, know, you see the professionals now, as soon as anybody even thinks about it, they're off the pitch. And actually, there's no space, no place in the game for that anymore. Um, yeah. I'm quite right. Um, I, I think I think it's great that we're thinking about the fact that, you know, some of the professionals, well, the number of head knocks they'll get, 
you know, throughout their careers is phenomenal. Um, and it's, uh, I mean, you at football now, football are kind of leading the way, I think. Um, American football, wasn't it? But now football are kind of thinking mm-hmm. about it in terms yeah. of the impact of people. You know, <clears throat> I don't for people like us, let's put it this way, to get into our 50s and 60s and start getting dementia and all that sort of stuff that people talk about now. Yeah, um, it's scary, isn't it? And, you know, we've not got paid to play, you know? Yeah, just, I know. Do you think? Do you think the sport needs to go further? Um, oh, good question. I think. I think at the the professional level, there's a there's a fine line, isn't there, between kind of you know like what they're doing in union at the moment, where they're talking about the contact area and that type of stuff, um, and that's so so difficult to kind of police and manage and all the rest of it because you're going to start ruining you know depending on ruining the game and all the rest of it in terms of. But um, can we do more about players' field or um, off-field welfare? Yes, I think we can. I think especially in the amateur game, um, I think we can start to think about being a bit more strict about people who have had a, had a head knock at the weekend, maybe not going into club, maybe the next week, two weeks, whatever. Um, and there's stuff we can definitely do there. Um, so yeah, I think in an amateur game, but not being involved in the coaching at these days, I'm not sure what is actually in place. At, at, I know that it still goes on there if somebody gets a bit of a head knock at the weekend, even if it's just a slight one, they'll still be in the, the likelihood is, is that at least by Thursday they're back in training, which yeah. is probably not the best thing. But that's yeah, just no, agree. my personal opinion. No, I'd agree with that as well. I think you're right. We, we were saying that last week actually that should there be things in place where somebody does have a head knock and you know they're they're off for so off for so many weeks. You know, I like the fact that Simo brought up last week that New Zealand have a blue card. So the referee has a blue card where if you have a head knock, you get that blue card and that's a, almost a medical dismissal from the field. I, 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 really, I really like that idea. I mean, like you say, you know, if somebody, somebody gets a red card, it's minimum of two weeks now, isn't it? Normally two, two weeks off, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, if you get, if the referee sees a bad one and the referee's using a good place to see a bad head knock or a bad injury or something like that, if he gives you a blue card and it's two weeks off training, two weeks off contact or whatever, I don't think that's a bad thing. That's a really good step forward. Yeah, I agree. New Zealand leading the way again, hey? <laughs> Steady. Lead the way with COVID. Steady. Lead the way with beers. Lead the way with summer. Lead the way with concussion. Give, give it a couple of weeks, Samo. You'll be back in full lockdown yeah. with us. Oh, you won't. You will be back in lockdown again. I'm waiting <laughs> for it. I'm all ready. I'm all ready for it. Funny stories around rugby league. So... I think the best bit is um, there are some good ones. I'm going to start you off. Have you got any good stories from your time at Sonics or outside that you'd like to share with us? Clean, of course, Clean ones. if you can. Clean ones. So I'll give you a couple of little snippets, uh, which are always in the back of my mind. Uh, so the first time we went to Sheffield, and uh, the very played at Sheffield, but uh, it's a tiny, 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 tiny postage stamp for pitch. Um, and there's a, a brick wall that runs, stone wall that runs a foot off one side of the um, the pitch. Uh, and we turned up in a car, and the guy tried to charge us <laughs> to to enter. We we had a, a lot of players in the back of the car, and we got we got in. Uh, and I just drove past this guy, and he was just like shocked that I just ignored him completely. Got in. Um, we had to get sheep off the pitch. Uh, which was amazing. Um, 
So that was a, that was a, a, a nice little start to the the, the training before uh, beforehand. Um, sheep off the pitch. Yeah, we had sheep on the pitch that day. Yep, yep. Uh, I remember having to go. Well, we were go, oh, we were going to York Nines. York Nines being woke up in the middle of the night. Um, for uh, I think it was like three times with. Uh, We'd all been out on the lash, and there was um, an alarm that went off. The smoke alarm went off three or four times. Uh, I remember waking people up with my singing. There was a guy who <laughs> I don't know. It was either they were either from Moscow or Romania, but we ended up singing downstairs in this bar, and I got told off for singing for, for waking people up with my singing. Um, and there was a, a chap who used to at that same place at York Nines. There was a chap um, who used to play for us, and he, he snored like a machine gun. So you know, normal people would snore a bit like you, Simon, where it's like <laughs> he had a, a machine gun noise, like <laughs> anyway. Um, I got back after doing all this singing, and um, we were all in this bunk, these like bunk dorm things. And bear in mind, we were playing rugby the next day, so we'd had a skinful. And we were playing not the best athletes in those days, obviously. Um, so me and uh, a chap who was our captain for several years, I'll keep his name out of this, but he was our captain for several years, um, were talking in the bunks. I was like, I can't I can't go with this any longer. So I dragged this guy out who was probably not much smaller than Simo out of his bed whilst he was still asleep and dragged him out, opened the door, put him out on the hallway to machine gun quietly out of the hallway. <laughs> Shut the door. So yeah, that's <laughs> and, and we, I've still got the tape. Actually, one of the lads um, created a, a tape. Um, we used to call it Sunshine Sonics Plus. So we've still got this um, DVD and uh, no, DVD CD with all the music on from that trip, which was brilliant. That's class. That was good. Yeah. You? Mm. I think, Kel, you've got the best. You have the best coach's nickname out there. <laughs> You also have the best saying and the best Twitter handle. And um, at one point you in setting up this uh, podcast, we almost considered buying the, your Twitter handle from you. Take it. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll gift it to you. I'll gift it to you. It was, uh, this Twitter handle is at running purrs. I made that for Twitter <laughs> That is a good Twitter handle, to be fair. Yeah. And his, and his name, coach's name, was called The Axe. It's fantastic. Because nobody was safe. No one was safe. Best player, didn't matter. That's a cracking nickname. That is brilliant. Yeah. Only 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 big bruising forward we've got in the team. Didn't matter. No. You were you were moving the water. No. And I was a victim of the axe once, and I tell you what, I did I didn't see it coming. I'd had the best game of my life one week. Week after, you're you're moving the water, son. And there was, it was, I will admit, good on you. So uh, I have a story, uh, Cal. I've got a good story. It was something that we may or may not both have to, um, what's the word? One of us needs to confess something here. It's either me or you, and we'll leave the listeners up to decide it. But there was a young lad that used to play for uh, for our team. And, uh, and I tell you what, this lad... He was. He actually had the explosivity that I wanted as a rugby player. He was like he was the biggest barrel. 
was a young, fit lad. So he was actually in Wikipedia, this guy's in Wikipedia as the fastest under-18s-year-old to ever swim the Avon Channel. And he told us this on a bus trip on the way up. And on the way back, all the way from Leicester we went to, and on the way back, somewhere around Birmingham, somebody changed one letter in that Wikipedia post. He wasn't the fastest anymore. It was, there was one letter that got you. you. <laughs> and I tell you what, it was you. I've never known a lad. He was used to be my friend, and he, he barely talks to me now. He, he, he barely talks to me, and I know that I didn't change the letter, but I may have pressed the send button and updated Wikipedia immediately, not realizing that it did. That was definitely you. somebody. Yeah. Well, uh, well I thought that button. was a bit of a harmless. You pressed the button. So it must have I, I don't know what you mean. I didn't really know what I was pressing the button yeah. to, but all of a sudden he was the fattest under eighteen kid to ever swim the that, that, the uh, Avon Channel. That leads on to a slightly different funny story. <clears throat> Where one night, me and the captain at the time, we had access to the club's website, so our comms officer could go on and put in a really nice. He used to he, he was a professional writer. So he used to go on and put and write really professional articles. So um, me and the captain in the evening, um, I don't know how we got access, but we, we had a, a laptop and we'd had a few drinks. And um, we decided to go in there and drop a few little bombs all the way through this article. Um, so, yeah, he, he wasn't best pleased because that morning, the following morning, the press wanted to use that article for Rugby League Express. <laughs> so we could you give me some excerpts from that? <laughs> it was just little, little, it was just little things like you know, like running purrs. Fernley spent all afternoon shouting running purrs, uh, and purrs spelt P-U-R-S. That type of stuff. We just changed a few of the, um, you know, throw it through in facts and you know, uh, again, it's hard because I don't want to put names in there, but. Um, it was things like, you know, uh, like a coiled spring, you know, where, where he would use the professional language, he changed it. Something about spleens, I think. It was definitely spleen. Spleen was mentioned um, two or three places um, in this article. Um, uh, and he went he went ballistic. <laughs> quite, quite, he wasn't best happy, was he? Quite, 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 quite rightly so, he went ballistic. Did it ever appear in Rugby Express? No. Oh, well. <laughs> Tell you what, it got taken down off was... our website at 10.30. He spotted it at 10 o'clock because the guy at Rugby League Express I think had seen it. So he cut it, took it down and we woke up a Sunday morning and I got a text message from this guy saying, he's found out, he's gone mad. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Now this is what we're after. This is what we, we, we balance the serious with the hilarious. And that's, this is the kind of thing we're keen to. Good on you there, mate. So we're going to finish off with a few kind of almost quick fire, mm. almost quick fire, fire questions. But these are kind of common questions we're going to ask all of our guests. Uh, so you've now retired from rugby league and mostly volunteering now. Um, why did you leave rugby league? Oh, um, just got a bit too much at the time in terms of like lifestyle and um, amount of hours putting into putting into it, that type of stuff, and also the club at the time. Sonics didn't want to go um, onto the next level, so I just decided to take a backward step. Good. So, what would you, 
when you, you know you took your time, what would you have done differently? If you knew how it all was now and you got your time again, what would you have done differently? Much? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I had the time of my life doing yeah. it. So, yeah. Absolutely not one, not good, one good. thing. Good to hear. Yeah. Good to hear. You're not as moany as me. I'm at all. I'm more. I'll you, tell you, you what. You spent what years done, morning, that's it. Don't lose your energy, mate. I'm a, listen, I'm a perfectionist in a, in a, in a non perfect world. I mean, that's, that's all I can say. Um, are volunteers in your mind rewarded enough for what they do in rugby league and sport in you know amateur sport in general? Uh, simple answer to that no. I mean I was fortunate I got recognised um, at a national level for my volunteering and stuff, but um, you know I'm I'm a, I'm a lucky one. You know. But no easy answer. What, no. What What do you think we could do to encourage more volunteering? What other things could there be? Um, what could you do? If you were given the war chest, no. How would you encourage volunteering? Any thoughts? I don't know. To be honest, people just do it for the passion, don't they? So, you know, paying people doesn't really work. I don't think volunteering is not the thing. Um, just, no. just, just don't take the proverbial with them. You know, don't, don't pile too much on them. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a stigma to volunteering? Do you find? Is there any stigma to doing it? I think it depends on what sport you're in. I think in rugby league, no. Yeah. I think it's 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 kind of praised, especially up north when you see the number of people volunteering on Saturday and Sunday. You know, kids yeah. coaching all that sort of stuff, and people make you know people behind the bar and all that. Not many of them get paid, so yeah. Well, our our podcast, as I said, it's all about volunteering and all about getting involved, and you know, sometimes about the bad things and the good things and things we've learned. But have you any final words of wisdom? For people getting involved volunteering um, or sport in general, but predominantly in volunteering. I'd just say get involved. Find something that you love. Find something that you're passionate about. Get involved. Um, you know, it's good to take your mind off it. it usually, get, usually involves getting outside. Usually involves meeting other people. Usually involves, you know, making friends and stuff like that. So, yeah, get involved. So there we go, our very first guest, Carl Fernley. We've um, been good to see him. How did you find the translation, Shuckers? Simo, honestly, I've got no idea what just happened for the last hour. Well, you did enough talking. I mean, Jesus, you, you asked him enough questions. I think my perfect one was, it's tickling on the table. And uh, I think we're going to have to make that into a soundbite. It's pretty good. I mean, I particularly enjoyed the T-Rex arms. Oh, you did, did you? Maybe we should explain <laughs> the T Rex arms. Can we just explain Maybe for another the episode? Arms? Maybe for another one. For another episode? No? Okay. Yeah, I think so. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed the T Rex arms. Let's try and give me something to skip in there. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to hand back over the mic now, guys. He's just going to finish us off with some final comments, a final Instagram update on our followers, and to read out our contact information. Just, just a wee update on our jingle that we put out a request for. So Simon was asking for somebody to come up with some lyrics and a song um, that we could use as a wee, wee jingle for our podcast. So we have had a suggestion all the way from, from Aberdeen in sunny Scotland. Um, Simo, well, I'm just going to let him let him have a go if he wants to listen to this shite. I don't think anybody wants to listen to this, but we're going to have a go. Crack and, uh, it. We're going to dub in some uh, soundtrack in the, in the background. But uh, um, Get on with it. 
All right, I'm going to press play it and I'll turn it up. So all you'll hear is me singing, all right? Can't wait. Yeah. <sighs> I hate you. Genuinely can't wait. From Auckland to Aberdeen with a town of Wigan in between Our hearts are pumping with blood Pumping with blood Cause when I'm thinking of you And all the handoffs you do You are the power sub Power sub For 30 seconds or more You spend most of your time on the floor You are the power sub Power sub With a sidestep from Fiji And a flip pass from Benji you are the power sub, power sub for you. Bloody fantastic. Well done. Do you like that? Loved it. Back of the net. Oh, garlic bread. Garlic bread. <laughs> Class. Um, right, that brings us to the end of uh, end of our episode today for Big Lads Talking Straight. So just a reminder for all you uh, all you folks out there, if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're uh, we're racking up the Instagram follow simmer, broken the forty mark, which is wonderful news. If you want to follow us, it's uh, biglads.talking. We'll follow you back, of course. Um, Twitter, you can get hold of us on at uh, lads talking. Remember that's talking, not stalking. Um, but yeah, that's us for today. So Simo, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure too. Goodbye. See you later on. And uh, you lot, take care, stay safe, and we'll, uh, we'll speak to you soon.